And in our scripture this morning, I'm doing something a little unique, focusing on just one little line, one little aspect of the Lord's uh, Prayer. And um, originally, I gave Justin a different sermon, and I pulled it out, and I don't lose things, but I couldn't find that sermon anywhere. And I said, Justin, I think I need to change my sermon. And it seemed providential. Uh, Two years ago, about this time, before the new year, I, I sort of selected a yearly theme. And that yearly theme uh, was kind of a, just a constant prayer to the Lord. And it was, Lord, show me your glory this year. And last year, about this time, I said, Lord, I need another theme. And the theme, it just came to mind, but it's very relevant for my needs. And it was, Lord, fill me with your spirit. This year. And when I realized I lost that sermon and I needed another sermon, this sermon came to mind and I said, I think this is my prayer for the next year. Thy kingdom come. Whatever that means. And for each of us, we need to try to understand what that means. But uh, it's going to be my prayer for the next year. It can be yours if you'd like to use it. Uh, but I thought uh, we would focus on that this morning. And voila, I found a copy of the other sermon, but I said, no, I'm sticking to this one. So I'd like to read these two scriptures that you find uh, in your bulletin uh, from uh, Matthew, the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, where Jesus says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And also from God's Word, this Christmas passage we call it, from Luke chapter 1. Let us hear the Word of the Lord. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have, been, you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overwhelm you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of of God, and behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from. May God bless this, the reading, hearing, 
and preaching of His Word. And let us ask for His blessing in our lives, even then. Oh Lord, we have come to hear You speak. We have come to hear You address our lives. And to move us closer to the cross and closer to You and more in love with our Savior, Your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. To get this sinner out of the way. And, O oh, Father, work for Your Holy Spirit's power and do those things we cannot do in our own strength or might. May we hear You now. Jesus' name. Amen. About 15 years ago, uh, Kathy and I helped a small group start a little church just outside of Charlotte in the Mint Hill area. I was full-time employed with the seminary, but this group needed someone to help them out, and so we got involved with it. We met in a school, in a school, little school auditorium like this, an elementary school, and we promoted it pretty well for the first service. And we had quite a big turnout of many people we had never seen or known. They showed up from the area. Uh, but one man stood out. He was an older gentleman, a little overweight. He, he looked uh, like maybe he'd really been through some things in life. Uh, he walked in uh, wearing a plaid shirt, suspenders, and a cane. And he came and he sat in the far corner. And we noticed it, but there were a lot of people there. But the next week, here he comes, plaid shirt, suspenders, cane, sits in the neck in the corner. The next week he comes, he comes, he comes, he comes again and again and again, quietly, but noticeably. And finally I said, I have got to find the time to meet this guy and find out his story. And so I made an appointment with him. I visited his home, and I discovered that he was an aging man who had alienated everyone in his life. He had divorced his first wife. He had angered his children, and they would not speak to him. He was still married to his second wife, but they lived in separate homes, and he never saw her, very rarely. He was a lonely old man and he tells me I am looking for the God of my childhood. And he got one of our little flyers and it had brought him to the church. And I said, well, that's great. Let me give you a Bible. So I bought him a readable Bible, an NIV. And then he read that and I said, he says, oh, I love to read. I got him some books. He starts reading these books on the Christian life. He is devouring them. He still comes to church, but his body was frail. He was ailing. He had diabetes. And he started going down very quickly. He ended up having to be hospitalized. He had a specialized nurse. And wouldn't you know it, the Lord brought a very fiery Pentecostal nurse in his life. And she's sharing the gospel and praying for him. And eventually, this man, Mr. Neal, becomes a new creation in Christ. So much so that his second wife says she is amazed. She says, do you think he's been born again? It was a beautiful 
picture. We watched a man enter the kingdom of God, but we watched the kingdom of God enter a man. What is the kingdom of God? If Jesus tells us to pray that the kingdom of God will come, what do we pray for? Pastor, the late Pastor Dr. John Stott says the kingdom of God is His royal rule. This is a prayer that His kingdom may come as the church witnesses to the world of their need to submit to Jesus. It is a prayer that the kingdom will be consummated when Jesus comes in glory to take His power and rule and come and reign. Ultimately, the kingdom of God is about Jesus. The driving out a demon from a mute man and being accused of doing so by Belzebub, the prince of demons, Jesus said, but if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. When Jesus comes, the kingdom of God comes. So to what end do we pray, Thy kingdom come? It's a threefold prayer. First, that God's royal rule might personally enter into our hearts through the gospel, transforming us as we submit ourselves to the Lord. That's the internal aspect. Secondly, that the gospel and the glory of God might be proclaimed to all the earth. That people might be converted to Christ. That the message of salvation might go to the, to the nations. That is the external aspect of the kingdom. And then thirdly, that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, might come Again, personally, literally, bodily, physically, gloriously, triumphantly to be proclaimed the King of the earth, the King of the universe, adored and received by the angels and saints throughout eternity. An internal aspect Come rule in my life, external, that the world might be reached. Eternal, that he'll come and be honored for who he is forever and ever. But this prayer, thy kingdom come, assumes that there is another kingdom. One that does not submit to the reign of Christ. One that seeks its own way. One which focuses upon its own interest and survival. One which builds its own little fiefdom with self living on the throne. That little self-centered kingdom actually and ironically is ruled by a greater power greater kingdom than itself, that of Satan. Satan who builds his own kingdom of evil 
and selfishness all over the globe. British author J.B. Phillips, in a classic little book that he wrote in the 60s, Your God is Too Small, said this, The multiplication of the effects of countless acts by millions of self-centered instead of God-centered individuals may reasonably be thought to be destroying the world. There is that kingdom, self-centered kingdom, led by Satan, and it is nothing but destruction. And if I cannot pray from my heart, Thy kingdom come, I'm the one who dwells in Satan's kingdom and who experiences the reality that John the Apostle wrote about in 1 John 5. The whole world is under the control of the evil one. If I don't desire the entrance of God's kingdom into the world, into my world, my life, then I'm a part of another kingdom, the kingdom of darkness. As a sophomore in college, I walked into my dorm room, and there was my roommate who was not a Christian. I'd spoken to him about the faith because I'd become a Christian the year before. But there he was sitting on the city, seated on his bed with two of my friends with Campus Crusade for Christ, now known as Crew. They were walking through the little book with the four spiritual laws, so I just sat on my bed and watched as they walked through, and he listened. And then they asked him if he would like to pray the prayer to ask Christ into his life. And amazingly, he said, Yes! prayed that prayer. I watched him come into the kingdom. He was transformed, made you, and for the months, if not years, ensuing, he would often quote this scripture from Colossians chapter 1. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son. Two kingdoms. One of darkness. One of light. One of Christ. Which kingdom are you in? Which kingdom do you love? So I ask the question, you of myself, do I want God's kingdom to come? Do I pray this prayer, Thy kingdom come? I do, and I imagine you do as well, because whenever we see the kingdom of darkness, we grieve, and whether we use these very words in our hearts, if we are believers, we want the kingdom of God to come. I still remember a pastor friend of mine telling me about a fight among a married couple in his church that uh, was so volatile that she threw him out of the house, kicked him out of the house. They screamed and yelled, and it was on Christmas Eve. The neighbors were out, and the pastor was telling me this a few months later, but I knew these people from his church. And my prayer was, Thy kingdom come. Oh, Lord, bring them back together. Bring reconciliation. I sat as a campus minister 
the University of Florida with RUF with a young uh, female student and, and heard her talk about the abuse she experienced from her father. And I could tell that she could no longer trust God. She could not trust men. I wasn't sure she could trust anyone. And my heart was praying, Oh Lord, Thy kingdom come. Restore trust in this young woman's life. I look at our culture and I watch the abortion culture that we have created in America. And I pray, not always using these words, but I know you, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. Lord, save these babies' lives. Help these desperate mothers. I look at my own heart, my own struggles with sin, my thought life, my pride, my anger, my lust. The list could go on. I hear my own words. Insensitive, careless, hurtful, non-pastoral, unchristlike, unhusbandly. And that word isn't in the dictionary, but my picture is there. I see my lack of patience and compassion with others, and I must pray, oh, thy kingdom come. Change my heart. Don't leave me alone. Come. The gospel is good news concerning Jesus Christ, God's Son. It is the gospel that brings the kingdom to earth, to our hearts, to our lives. So we pray, thy kingdom come. How does the kingdom come? Three quick answers. The kingdom comes through repentance and faith in Christ. Faith in Christ is essential, but repentance is essential as well. We forget repentance. John the Baptist, who was the forerunner of Christ, declares in the early chapters of Matthew, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Chapter 4, Jesus comes. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Paul in Acts 20, 21 says, I have declared to Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now I know none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me Again, he preached the kingdom, repentance and faith in Christ. Repentance is a change of mind, a change of attitude about God and ourselves and how we view life, the world, eternity. Change mind and attitude brings the kingdom. About 20 years ago, one of my boyhood idols, not my very favorite, but one of my boyhood 
idols, the famous Yankee Mickey Mantle, stood before a podium something like this at a press conference. He was aged. He was anemic. He was a man who had been known in his baseball career as a home run hitter, but a carouser, a womanizer, a pagan. And he stood before the podium looking frail, and he was frail. He would die not long after this. And with millions of people watching this broadcast, Mickey Mantle stood there in great humility and said, Do you want to see a role model? Look at me. I am a bad role model. The broadcaster Bob Costas of Mickey Mantle, an admirer all of his life, said, at that moment, Mickey Mantle taught a nation how to repent. The kingdom comes through repentance. Repentance is a gift from God that causes the sinner to see a holy God, to see his or her violations of God's will and His law, to gain a mortal sense of judgment, fear, trembling, condemnation. Repentance cries out, Woe is me! I am a bad role model. By the way, what it's worth on Mickey Mantle's deathbed, Bobby Richardson, the famous South Carolinian, the former second baseman for the Yankees, led Mickey Mantle to what appeared to be a true conversion before he died. Repentance brings the kingdom. The kingdom also comes through the Holy Spirit. After the resurrection, Jesus appeared to his trembling disciples in a locked room showed them his hands and his side. And he declared, Peace be with you. Twice. And then he gave them a prelude of the Great Commission and he said, As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And then he breathed upon them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Later, as he ascended into heaven, before he ascended to heaven, he said to his disciples, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us the power to live for Christ, to be His witnesses. And when we pray thy kingdom come, we're praying for the Holy Spirit to work out God's purposes among His church and His people in the world. Repentance brings the kingdom. The Holy Spirit brings the kingdom. Brokenness brings the kingdom. Condition of brokenness. The Lord's Prayer occurs in that narrative of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus begins the Sermon on the Mount with what are called the Beatitudes. 
those heart attitudes that reflect those who are part of the kingdom. He introduces the kingdom to the people of His day. And it's not a kingdom of might and power. That's what they were hoping for. It's not a kingdom of force and coercion and armies and swords. It's a spiritual kingdom. It's not a natural, earthly kingdom. It's a spiritual and unnatural kingdom. The kingdom of heaven. The first beatitude, he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. How do you enter the kingdom of heaven? Brokenness. The word there, the poor spirit, speaks of being beggarly, bankrupt spiritually, destitute. I can't get there myself. I'm unable to please the perfect God. Desperation. I can only look to God alone for spiritual help. Brokenness. I was recently speaking with a fellow, Kathy and I were speaking to a fellow about uh, our faith and what he believed. He doesn't believe what we believe by any means. Very pluralistic in his thinking. And I mentioned that uh, we, we need to realize that we're sinners and he was taken back. And he says, Maybe it's a classic statement now, I don't know, but he says, oh, the thought of sin is so repulsive. I think it's the worst concept to help people get through life you could ever think of. Well, I could listen to that. And I said, I think it's totally opposite. That understanding you're a sinner is the only way you will ever find life change and transformation. Because if you understand it, it drives you to the cross. It drives you to Christ. It drives you to God. And then the Holy Spirit comes and it changes you. The kingdom of God comes when we understand our brokenness. Each and every day, that's why it would be appropriate if we think of it, if I even remember every day, to wake up and say, Thy kingdom come. But I desperately need you today. I need your spirit. I need to be repentant. I need to be looking to you. I need to realize that I am broken. I am broken. In our Christmas text, an angel comes to Mary tells her he is going to invade, God is going to invade her life, her womb, bring this Holy One who will be the very Son of God. And we can only think about it. What this would do. I'm going to have a child out of wedlock. And we know Joseph went, oh, I'm going to put her away secretly. I don't want to embarrass her. And her world is going He says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Kingdom submission. 
kingdom will come. Hear the word of the birds of the This is the way to the kingdom. Poverty of spirit, mourning our sin, brokenness, submission to God. When we reflect these attributes, we will look something like kingdom citizens who are waiting for King Jesus. My late father-in-law, Oscar Wooten, passed away in 2007. But when my wife Kathy and her three brothers were growing up, he used to tell them the story of how he ended World War II. Yes, you heard it. He ended World War II. You see, he was—he would tell them, I was on an airplane and it was a, a B-29. We were flying on our way to Japan. It was right after the two atomic bombs had been dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. But while we were flying over to our destination, Japan, he said, the leaders of Japan ended the war by surrendering. And his version of the story was, they heard Oscar Wooten was coming, and so they gave up immediately. Well, there is a battle of kingdoms going on. It's easily observable. It's evident in our world, we know. We know. It's evident in our lives as well. There's God's beautiful, righteous kingdom versus Satan's diabolical and destructive kingdom of darkness. But there really is someone someday in that day, in the day of the Lord, who will come and end the war. So we look for Him. We wait for Him. We live for Him. We fight for Him. We seek and serve Him until He comes. And when He comes, it's all over. But in the meantime, we pray, O Lord, by Father, how we need you. How we need this prayer. How we need this spirit. How we need your spirit. And so we pray that we might be those who seek you and reflect something of citizenship in the heavenly kingdom. And we ask it in Christ's name.